what's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the We Got Now podcast. Uh, it's been a while since we've got to sit down and record an episode, and the reason is because our youth ministry uh, just got done with our fall retreat. We did that this weekend, and it took a lot of planning, and, and so we took a lot of uh, normal hours where we might uh, record a podcast. We took that to plan fall retreat. So uh, sorry to our listeners who may have been uh, waiting for our weekly podcast to release, but uh, now that fall retreat is over, we should be back on our normal schedule. My co-host Maggie is unfortunately not with me this week. Uh, I gave her the week off after she worked really, really, really hard to pull off an amazing fall retreat. And so she's at home resting this morning. Uh, And I'm going to warn you, I'm a little bit under the weather. So if I cough most of this episode, that would be why. But uh, I thought for the next uh, for the next few weeks, <clears throat> we would get into uh, some 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 more hot button issues in our culture, and, and particularly some issues that our our students um, are are trying to think through from a biblical perspective. And and some of these issues, such as the one today. Um, can be extremely, extremely sensitive. And, and so we want to navigate these waters as, as delicately as we can. However, we also want to not stray away from a single word the Bible says about these matters. And we want to boldly proclaim the truth of God's word and highlight the grace of the gospel in and through these issues. Perhaps this is most necessary out of all these topics for the one that we have in this episode. What should we who are Christians think about abortion? Now, immediately when we hear that word, we we potentially could have two very different reactions. Maybe one half of us who hear that word abortion um, immediately think of a great evil, uh, something that is, is just truly terrible. And, and the word itself is, it brings so much bad, bad feelings and, and emotions with it that uh, it, it, it sends chills down our spine when we hear or think about that word abortion. Perhaps the other half of us are are viewing abortion not so evil, but potentially maybe as, as a necessary evil, some might say. Something that isn't necessarily good, but ought to be potentially allowed. <clears throat> I am, to show you my cards here at the beginning, I'm going to argue in this episode that the Bible clearly brings us to the conclusion that abortion is not a necessary evil, it is just evil. Abortion is morally wrong. And so we're just going to see what the Bible has to say about this issue. And listeners, whether you're parents, whether you're teenagers, or whether you're just an interested party, I hope that we see, first off, yes, that abortion is wrong, but two, I do hope we see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is able to mend every heart, heal every wound, forgive every sin, 
and restore us to our Father and our Creator. So just a, a few facts about abortion that, that I've, I've come to, to research. I, I don't know if you realize this, but across the world, like as we speak, more than 42 million, 42 million abortions occur, occur every single year. That is, that's crazy. Just to do the math here, that is about 115,000, 115,000 abortions every single day. And what's staggering is research shows that approximately about, about a third of American women, so not just worldwide now, we're talking specifically about America, about a third of American women have had or will have an abortion at some point in their lives. So clearly, Christians, as we talk about this issue, we got to realize that as we talk about this issue, someone we are talking to or is hearing us is probably, in fact, it is likely that the, at the very least, they know someone who's had an abortion, but potentially they themselves have had an abortion, which highlights the the wisdom and patience and graciousness that we as Christians must have as we address this issue. But we must address this issue. Let's let's not get that twisted. We must address the issue of abortion. With 42 million babies being aborted every year, this isn't an issue. We don't have the option to just silently stand by. We must speak out and we must know why we must speak out. So let's just let's just examine three core biblical truths. Three. The first biblical truth is is a huge one. And it's simple. God is the creator. God is the creator. Not just the creator of of matter, but the Bible is very clear that God is the creator of mankind and not just the first man adam or the first woman eve but he is the creator of all of adam and eve's offspring including you and me psalm 139 is is very clear about this the psalmist writes you he's praising the lord you formed my inward parts You knitted me together in my mother's womb. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God is intricately involved in the creation. He is the creator of humans. And the creation of humans begins in the womb of their mother. God is knitting them together in their mother's womb. Womb. And then the psalmist says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful works are your works. My soul knows it very well, and I love this. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Did you hear that? Your eyes saw my unformed 
substance, not a clump of cells, okay? It may not be a, a, a human being formed as, as we're used to seeing a human being formed, but the Bible's saying here, his eyes, your eyes saw my unformed substance. God is intricately involved here. He is knitting babies together. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He saw our unformed substance. God is the creator. He is our creator. (coughs) And he is the babies today, all 42 million who are being aborted every single year. He is their creator, which means this leads us to our second core biblical truth. If God is the creator That must mean that he alone has the power and the authority to give life. It's just him. Like Job 33, 4, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. Obviously, a a mother and a father have, have a job when it comes to the creation of a baby, of giving life, but it is God who has the power and authority to give that life because he is the creator. He alone can give life, but also, third biblical truth, he alone has the power and authority to take life. He alone can give life. He alone can take life. The Bible is is clear about this. Job one twenty one. after Job's life has been wrecked, he He says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. The Lord has taken away. He has the authority. He's the only one. Because he's the creator, he's the only one who can give life. He's the only one who can take life, which means mankind does not have the authority to take life. Politicians, doctors, mothers, fathers do not have the permission, the authority to take a human life. And the Bible thus far is clear that the unformed substance in the womb of a mother is human life that he is knitting together. He has given that life and it is sin to take that life. And so the reality of abortion is, is clear. Abortion is an affront to God's soul authority as the giver and taker of life. Just like murder or just like suicide. Abortion asserts human beings, whoever it may be, as the ones who are ultimately in charge, who control life and death. It's God who gives. It's God who takes. And abortion dismisses that reality and gives permission for humans who don't have the permission, who don't have the authority to take human life. And second reality of abortion is that it's an assault on God's work in creation. Like this is a baby that God has intricately woven, is intricately weaving. And humans come in and assaults 
God's work in creation. Remove God's work in creation. Abort God's work in creation. That is what abortion is. But there's some people who, who just simply disagree at this point because, because they want to argue perhaps that well, what's in the womb isn't a person. It, it's, it's just an embryo. It's just a fetus. And I will, I will say this. If they're right, if it is just an embryo, if that unformed substance is just a fetus, then sure, abortion may be permissible. A guy named Gregory Kukul, he says, if the unborn is not a human person, then no justification for abortion is necessary. We understand that, right? Like if, if what is in a mother's womb is not in fact a human being, then, then no one has to provide rationale or justification for aborting that thing because they're not a human. However, Gregory Kukul will go on to say, <coughs> if the unborn is in fact a human person, what is in a mother's womb is a human being, then absolutely no justification for abortion is adequate. So if the unborn is not a human person, no justification for abortion is necessary, but if the unborn is a human person, then no justification for abortion is adequate. If what is in the womb is a person, then every pro-abortion, every pro-choice argument falls apart. And the Bible is clear that what is in a mother's womb is in fact a person is in fact a human being, even in their unformed substance. They are not just a fetus. They are not just an embryo. They are an image bearer of God who is being intricately woven by the creator himself. That doesn't stop people from making some arguments in favor of abortion. Let's just, let's just address a few of those arguments. <coughs> you hear this one a lot, you know, Women who obviously it's women who who have children, even that itself is a is a hot take, a hot button issue in, in our culture today. But but women who are pregnant, they have a right to privacy with their doctors. Right. Like you, you've heard that women have a right to privacy. With their doctors, true or false answer. True. Women do have a right to privacy with their doctors. However, nobody, nobody has the right to a private conversation with a doctor to conspire together how to end someone's life. Your privacy goes out the door when someone's life is at stake. And so if the unborn are, in fact, people then we must protect them, regardless of what that means for someone's privacy. Maybe you've heard this argument. Women should have the right to choose. It's their body, their choice. Okay? Yet I think we all agree that no one 
has the right to make unlimited choices however they so wish. I don't get to choose to walk up to someone at Walmart and rob them. If I choose to rob that person at Walmart, that was my choice. But it's not a choice that is morally right and there's going to be consequences for my robbery. So the real question is does a woman is isn't doesn't does a woman have a unlimited choice? The question is is what what is in the woman is that a human being? Because we don't have the right to choose to take someone's life, to hurt someone's person. How about this common argument? Abortion is necessary in cases of rape or in cases of incest. Perhaps you're with me on the abortion argument at large, but here's where you we say, well, there's an exception. This is where many politicians who are pro-life will say, well, well, here's where there's an exception in the cases of rape and incest. And hear me say that my heart breaks for victims of rape. My heart breaks for victims of rape. And my heart breaks for children who are products of rape or incest. I will not downplay the tragic circumstances of either of these situations. They are awful. And we could go in detail about what needs to happen in these cases of rape and incest and what needs to happen in our country for women who are victims of rape, women who could become victims of rape. This is tragic. Yet it doesn't take away, listeners, from this biblical reality that the baby in that woman's womb is still a human, still made in the image of God, still worthy of life and protection. That baby is innocent. No matter the circumstances of their creation, that baby is innocent. Perhaps one more common argument that we'll look at. <laughs> and I can only imagine there's, there's people listening to this who, who potentially could be, could be thinking this in their mind right now. You know, obviously, I'm a male. I'm a man. I do not have a uterus. And so there's an argument. Hey, Chase. Hey, men. No uterus, no opinion. You're not a woman. You don't get to speak on women issues. Friends, abortion is not a woman issue. It's not a gender issue. It's a human life issue. Men and women both have the responsibility to protect human life. I do not have a uterus, but I have every right in the world to protect the human life that is inside the womb of a mother. It all comes down to what or who is in the womb. If there's a human being in that womb, no matter how small they may be, no matter how unformed substance they may consist of, they are worthy of life. They must be protected in every scenario. And scripture is clear. 
that that womb of the mother contains a person, a person, a human being formed in the image of God. Which means abortion is an egregious evil, not a necessary evil, just evil, an egregious evil. And all those who participate in it are in blatant sin. But here's where the gospel must be proclaimed. Because God is not only the judge of sinners. He is the savior of sinners. We cannot stop when we talk about abortion at the sinfulness of it. We must get to the gospel. And the gospel says that God forgives sinners entirely. Isaiah 43 says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. He doesn't remember our transgressions. He doesn't remember our sins. He forgives us entirely. If we have been involved in abortion in any way, whether we're the doctor, whether we're the mother, whether we're the father who has encouraged or forced this to happen, whether we're a politician who has pushed for laws to allow abortion to continue or to intensify, whether we are someone who has sat on the sidelines, we don't know anyone who's had an abortion, we've never had an abortion ourselves, but we have supported abortion. We're in sin, but the gospel is that God forgives sinners entirely. Every sin you've ever committed, including those that have to do with abortion, can be completely blotted out and not remembered by the God who has come to save you. God forgives entirely, but he also heals deeply. He heals us. He heals the... There are so much scars and wounds, and hurt, and brokenness as a result of abortion. But listen to what what Jesus says in in Luke 7. He, He says, your sins are forgiven, and then he goes on to say this to a woman. He says, your faith has saved you. Go on in peace. God has forgiven this woman entirely, but he's also healed her deeply. She was to go on in peace. She was forgiven and her scars still existed from her past, but her future was that of peace and restoration. Jesus forgives entirely and he heals deeply. Third, this God, as he heals us deeply, he restores us completely. He restores us completely. Isaiah 61 says, The Lord has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to comfort all who mourn, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Again, there's so much scars and baggage and hurt and brokenness that come with abortion. And people who have participated in this act think there is no hope. 
There is no way out. They will always be scarred. The gospel offers something completely different. It offers comfort to those who mourn. It offers a beautiful headdress to those who think they just deserve ashes. He forgives us entirely. He heals us deeply. He restores us completely. And here's how. He has given us Jesus to go to the cross, die on that cross as a perfect human being, a sinless man, which none of us are. And on that cross, he bears the weight. He takes the judgment of all of our sin, abortion related and non-abortion related. My sin, your sin, all of our sins. He takes it on himself at the cross. He washes our sin away. He heals us deeply. He restores us completely there at the cross. And three days later, he raises from the dead for our justification. So yes, abortion is not a necessary evil. It is evil. It is sin. All who participate in it are in sin. But the gospel forgives sinners. Jesus came to set free the captive, to give liberty to the captive. If you or someone you know has been involved in abortion anyway, or you've just sat silently on the sidelines supporting this evil, no, please hear me, that the gospel is able. Jesus is willing. He is inviting you to find forgiveness through him. If you will just trust in him, if you will come to him, if you will repent and believe in Jesus, your Messiah. Three final steps that all Christians must take. With this reality of abortion in front of us, 42 million babies every single year, the clear evil nature of abortion dictated for us through the word of God, the clear gospel proclaimed in which All abortion-related individuals may be free. All sinners may be free, forgiven. What must we do? First, we must pray. We must pray for politicians in our country to not pass laws that intensify abortion, but to pass laws that reduce and prayerfully would even soon eliminate this evil in our country. We must pray for doctors who are being asked to perform abortions that they would say no. We must pray for fathers who have, with with a mother, created a human life and, and they don't want to be convenienced. They don't want to be inconvenienced by this human life. We must pray for fathers that they would see that this, this human life is just that, a human life who is worthy of life. We must pray for mothers Perhaps most of all, we must pray for mothers who have had abortions, who are considering abortion, who perhaps one day will have abortion. We must pray that they would see the evil nature of abortion. They would see the grace of Jesus Christ. And we must participate. Once we pray, we must get off our knees. We must participate in actively reforming the laws of our land. Participate in in pro-life movements and marches. 
We can't just pray. God will move through our prayers, but he beckons his people to get up and do something. Let's participate. And third, we must proclaim. <coughs> that is proclaim the, the, clear, the clear word of God on these issues, but also must proclaim the clear gospel of God, which forgives all sinners through faith in Jesus Christ. This is a difficult topic. It's difficult to talk about it, but but Christians, teenagers, parents, we must solidly stand firm on the word of God on this issue and so much more. I hope and I pray that this episode was glorifying to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that it was edifying to the church of Jesus Christ, and that we, as a result of this podcast, are encouraged, equipped, motivated to move forward, praying, participating, and proclaiming the truth of God's word. Until next time, we'll see you.